episode 86 of Gaming MBS, sponsored by GameholeCon, a tabletop gaming convention occurring in Madison, Wisconsin this November. Get your ass to GameholeCon and visit GameholeCon.com for more info. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop gaming podcast. We're talking about PC and GM communication at the table this week. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Hello, folks. Welcome back. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Welcome to the show. How Brett are you, Sean? All juicy. Yeah, up, I'm just man. I'm just all business, man. He's all charged up. Just before we got on, Sean's like, you okay? And I'm like, man, I have no I like I don't give a shit about anything today. <laughs> I'm like slack it. Wanna do this? Sure. Wanna do that? Whatever. <laughs> Maybe it's the rain and the cooler weather. I just wanna like lay on the couch and watch bad movies or something. You don't get a highball? I have a uh I have a large mug full of Guinness. Well, there you go. Your only Guinness? My only Guinness? Well, I mean, is it the first one? Is it your sixth well, one? Oh, first one the, oh, of the day. I say, yes, it's the first Guinness of the day. I had maybe, a different beer earlier. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that. I don't have enough. Potentially. My hops intake is low. Okay, I'll have to check my hops. All right. Yeah. Any announcements today, man? Uh, I don't think we have anything. No announcements that I have off the top of my head. No. Me either. So should we just get randomizing? Yeah, let's get uh, random encounter. Let's do it. Random encounter segment in the show where we field emails, voicemails, and comments from social media. Matt Martinez via Google Plus brings up the bait and switch. He's catching up, obviously. I'll tell you though, bait and switch is like a perennial favorite here on the show. It comes up every once in a while. Some either a. Uh, a older listener, like one of the original listeners, will, will uh, run into it and say something, or a newer listener will, you know, do the right thing, start at the beginning of the catalog and work their way forward. When they hit this one, it every time brings up something. Indeed. Carry on, Sean. So he writes, okay, so I've been running Horde of the Dragon Queen for my group. We're not, fa- we're not far into at, into at all, into it at all. We just finished the Dragon Hatchery. Well, not sure what that is, but okay, I'll take your word for it, Matt. But since our group meets so infrequently, it feels like it's advancing at a crawl. As such, I'm starting to feel a little burnt out on it. Hey, I can empathize. We, we have been there. We have been there. We have definitely been there. But not for the Dragon Queen. No, not for Dragon Queen. No, I but one, I've. No. But I haven't been but, burned out on it yet. True enough. Continuing on, as you all know, Curse of Strahd is out, and I'm super excited to run it, so I thought I'd just go ahead and have my party enter the mist to the Dread Realm and take a lengthy side quest. Uh, uh, uh. They could then return to Faroon and resume the Tyranny of Dragons at a point in the story appropriate, appropriate to their level. That's not bad. That's totally doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That said, they've been enjoying Horde of the Dragon Queen as far as I can tell, and I realized that perhaps it might be a dick move to do the bait and switch. At the same time, I think they'd enjoyed Curse of Strahd also, and I'm more engaged with the material. I feel like it would make for a better game for everyone involved. Thoughts? Who? That's that's a tricky one. My buddy uh, Lenny, when he ran 
excuse me, an old 3.0 adventure. He ran Return to the uh, Temple of Elemental Evil uh, by Monty Cook. And we were going through that. And at one point, we ended up, um, did, did a little something, and we ended up in Ravenloft. He just ad-libbed that component of it. Made for, a, obviously, a different twist on the adventure, which was kind of fun. But that's something that our group was totally game for and that we thought that type of, that type of shit's cool, right? So... It's goofy because one of the <laughs> one of the fun parts of a bait and switch, if it's done right and you know the group is good for it, like my group, I have a pretty good idea what they may or may not be into. Because I've been doing it for so damn long with these guys. If I do that, they might go, "Oh, I see a little change of roo. All right, let's see how this goes." Um, and they'll we can ride it for a session or two and then come back or whatever. But if this group. If they're really digging on Horde of the Dragon Queen and so forth, maybe it's not maybe it's not time to take those characters into Ravenloft, but say, hey, you know, I really, I really dig in on this thing. Would you guys like to try Curse of Strahd? Let's essentially start over. Or we you know, a couple options here. We could keep going doing what we're doing. We could start over in uh in Ravenloft, or we could do a thing where the characters you guys have been developing, these really cool dudes, I could transport them. Into Ravenloft, what do you think? But you know, uh, telegraphing it kind of wrecks the bait and switch. But I'm, as I know, many people would tell me it's what you're supposed to do, Brett. You're supposed to telegraph that stuff. Sean, what do you think? So I think he, I, there's been comments on this already on Google Plus. Um, and one of the things that Matt did mention was somebody said, well, you can just bring it up and talk about it at the table. Um, and he did mention that he wanted, you know, that would ruin the, the surprise. So I think, I think they're, so having said that, I don't think that's an option he wants to pursue necessarily. Can he? Yes. Um, should he, what would you do, Sean? You're in this, you're in this pickle. What are you going to do? I doc actually has done this, which is, I, it's funny because, um, my buddy doc ran a bunch of games at Gary Khan, got curse of Strahd. He doesn't usually buy the pre-published hardbacks. So he was given this one and uh, he was looking through it and he's like, you know, uh, it might uh, start this, start on the Curse of Strahd. What do you guys think? And my buddy Jimmy and I are in his group and we, I'd, you know, Jimmy and I looked at him and said, sure, I'd be up for it. Now there's three other players in the group. But so, we never name them. So that means we don't care about their opinions. That's well, right. <laughs> Unless you have a name. Unless you're named, you just get a red shirt and sit down and roll your dice. That's what we do. Um, so Doc went through into transferring transferring us through the mist at the end of an adventure and then pulled out the Curse of Strahd and showed everybody. And they're like, oh, no, oh, you know, ooh, Strahd. And even, you know, he thanked Jimmy and I for being quiet because we kind of knew what was going on. Um, and we were So I think the thing is, I don't think it's a big deal if he just springs it on him. And I'll tell you why. It's D and D. I was gonna say it's still D and D. It's right. not it's, like it's not, not like you went the riffs. It's not like you did what Brett did with uh, uh what was, I was playing Delta Green when hey you're playing Wraith now. Like, what the fuck? Right. You know? Or you go from D and D and suddenly time shifts and I'm playing Savage Worlds Rifts right now. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Or game or, system shift versus a setting storyline shift. Right. Because in, now they think there's, and I always hate knowing what I'm going through necessarily. I mean, obviously Ravenloft's a little iconic and you're not, you're going to know 
if you've gone through the original, when somebody mentions Barovia, you kind of know where you are. But I would much rather not know what adventure we're necessarily going through for whatever reason. Maybe, I don't know. At the beginning, it's kind of like knowing the monsters you're up against. Oh, they're goblins. Oh, they're trolls. Trolls got to light them on fire. Got to get a regeneration. That, no, that's an interesting thing is that no? sometimes if you tell someone, hey, we're going to play Return to, the, Return to the Tomb of Horrors. You're like, oh, so the Tomb of Horrors is in there. There's a Serac. I'm pretty sure there's something funky. Okay, sure. A lot of undead and a, and a demulich. All right, let's go. Yeah, I'll put my head in that stupid. Yeah, I'll put my head in the green face. Let's right. see what happens. Oh, it gets lopped off. Um, now, but there is something I think to be said for, we're going to play a thing. It's going to be this type of game, D and D, this type of setting off we go. And then finding out that you are actually playing Horde of the Dragon Queen or, Oh my God, I am playing Queen of the Demonwood pits or whatever. Wow. This is where I ended up instead of, um, but I know some folks like to be told we're going to play through the giant series or we're going to play through, you know, Strahd or whatever. I, I could go either way. I don't think it's a big deal one way or the other. I think there's some older modules that if somebody told me, hey, we're going to go through the Lost Caverns of Sojacanth, I would not want to know that because I already know bits and pieces of it. But if somebody were to whip it out, so Brett was going to be like, hey, we're going to run D&D. It's going to be 5e, you know, standard characters, whip them up. And he started running us, you know, start us at, I think that module is like, Seven to ten, maybe. Yeah, it's mid. It's mid level. Yeah, that type of thing. Yeah. So if Brett's like, "Hey, I want to start you guys up at a lower or a higher level," okay, great. And then we started going through the module. If bits and pieces sounded familiar to me, I don't think I would know them until like an iconic event occurs. Scene would occur, like the woman yeah. on the uh, the slab, right? The 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 anti paladin vampires. Yeah. 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 So then I would be like, oh, my God, are you taking us to the You know, and then it would be good. Well, there's a cool thing that you mentioned. I don't want to lose it, is that it's possible here that what Doc did in his group is something that Matt could do in his group. If Matt has a confidant or two, he could take that person aside and say, hey, I got a little something I want to try. Look at this, you know. And if the other guy's like, dude, the crew, the crew would totally be down with that. Yeah, you know, all of us, Mary, Tim, Bob, we all want to get in. We all want to go. Yeah, we'll do this. This would be so cool. Or if he looks at it goes, yeah, everyone's having a lot of fun doing the Dragon Queen thing. If you do that, you know, Phil and Chris will be fine. But, you know, Susan and Mary, they'll fucking kill you. <laughs> Don't do I mean, you're split. It might be worth grabbing a confidant if you have such a person at the table and uh, floating it by him just to see what they think. Which yeah, is what that, Doc did, and that gave you guys we got we're able to be surprised enough, and then the guy who's confidant, you know, gets like, hey, little has gets a little smirk, he or she knows a little something, right? Yeah, so I think he's got some guidance on which way he wants to go. We'll have to, hey Matt, you'll have to let us know, like when you spring it on them, or they wouldn't when they realize that they're in the Barovia, uh, you'll have to let us know what the reaction is and. Maybe we can learn from. I know a number of guys that when Ravenloft in second edition was in its original heyday, when there's Ravenloft everything, that was oftentimes how my friends would, you'd get drug into Ravenloft. You'd be playing your regular game and then the mist, you're like, ah, damn, Barovia, <laughs> motherfucker. You know, that was, I mean, that, that was kind of, uh, <clears throat> kind of the idea was you would get trapped into, there were different ways to have you end up in Ravenloft and I have to figure out how to get hell to get back or do a, do a, a quest of some sort or whatever. So 
Yeah, yeah be interested to see what it does. In short, I don't think it's such a leap that people are going to be like, what the hell? Unless they're really, really having a great time with the Horde of the Dragon Queen and they're like, oh my God, and they have so much invested, then maybe. But otherwise, I, I don't think it's it's a huge leap, right? He's not yeah, had I... Had I been, had, were I, I should say, were I familiar with Horde of the Dragon Queen and we said, oh, the Dragon Hatchery, I might be able to say, oh, God, Matt, here's the deal, dude. If I were you, I'd kick him out and I'd bring him back in at this other piece. There may very well be other reentry points within Dragon Queen that might just be perfect. You could go through a little side quest and curse Estrad, come back out and uh, skip a quote unquote boring part of another adventure or something you weren't quite so hip on. So it could be kind of cool. Again, I don't know Dragon Queen, so I, I can't speak to how you could or could not get plugged up back into that particular piece. But cool, Eric, Matt. If anything we said, if anything we said, Matt was helpful. Let us know. <laughs> Otherwise, I apologize for wasting your time. So you know what you should do, Matt. You should take him into you know ditch horde of the Dragon Queen because I heard it is not that great. I mean, comparatively speaking, take him into the Curse of Strahd, then bring him back to the Rise of Tiamat because I heard the Rise of Tiamat's much better. Oh. I did not know that. Yeah, I heard that from Alex and the boys at Game Hole. Okay. Hmm. So, okay. Yeah. Anyways, next cool. we should dig. So there you go, Matt. Why not? Let's know what you do. Yeah. Next up, we've got Mo Tusano bringing to our attention that uh, D&D is a heist game. Old school D&D, at least, he says. It's all about finding your mark, the dungeon, figuring out the best way to get in, get out with as much loot as possible, hopefully without much, without, without many losses. You hopefully gather intel ahead of uh, ahead of time. You plan your approach. Um, lost my place there. Um, and you plan your approach and you uh, try to minimize risks. You take precautions and prepare uh, based on what you expect. You always bring more than you need just in case something comes up. After you uh, are done, you divvy up the spoils. You find a fence. You keep the best stuff, the stuff that will help you do the next job. And you learn from your experience. You learn from most... Uh, you learn the most off, off a successful heist, the one that gets you the most gold pieces and stuff, and thus most XP. Hmm. What do you think about that, Sean? So I I, uh, I do see where Mo is coming from. Uh, I would not argue the fact. I think it's just another another perspective. I don't know. It, it's to me, it's uh, it's murder obo, which is not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the original D and think old school, like you said, heist. Um, I would have. I gotta think about this a little bit more. I've not. Uh, Phil and Chris have talked about heist games and that yeah. type of thing a little bit more. I'm distracted. We've not delved into the heist. We've talked a little bit about modern espionage and uh, those types of things. But a heist game, I would have to dig a little bit deeper into heist because my first thought is. Yeah, that does, based on what Mo's laying out there, I'm like, yeah, that's basic level. That that totally is legit to me. There's no reason not to. Uh, especially when you're thinking about breaking into a tomb or a tower or something that you know is owned and manned by the great w wizard Elmeric or whomever it is, and he or she has all these great w demons and things that are guarding it. You've got to figure out a way to go in to get the heart of Elmeric so you can get back out and raise some. I mean, okay, very similar to a heisty type thing. So it's a style of play for sure in D and D, and old school D and D may lend itself to that style easier or more readily than others. So the only hmm. the only the only reason I would not agree is simply on how you define what a heist is. 
So if to me, a heist may be, um, you know where the, the, the loot is and you have to devise a plan, the heist to, to grab the loot in old, old school D and D. I think that there is an element to that, but typically you don't know where the loot is at necessarily. You are maybe dungeon delving, maybe in like dungeon crawl classics for that OSR feel your plebes and you want to strike it rich. So you don't have to keep being a cook the rest of your life or a farmer or whatever that is. So I think to me, a heist would be a kind of a pre-planned, I'm going to outline how I'm going to acquire whatever it is, whether it's a single jewel or a, a treasure. I think in some of the old school D and D you can have that in there. However, most of the time you are, coming across it in your travels. Yeah. So the concept of, oh, I am at the, uh, I'm at the end of the last home and I'm wandering out from the end of the last home. And I, I hear that there are bandits and brigands and bullies and such in the wilderness. I go out there and lo and behold, yes, there are that I take care of that. And then I find out something else. And then I end up in these lost forgotten caves or I say, fuck all that. And I'm over at this lost temple because I happen to talk to somebody else. And, so there's kind of a, I guess I want to say there's more of a randomness, yes, if you will, to how it happens or can happen, uh, even with old school, or maybe perhaps more so with old school D&D, where a heist game, and maybe this is just Sean and my lack of talking through heist, which means that we're going to have to have, a, have an episode around the heist. But um, I think my first, my first instinct is where you're at, Sean, is that a heist is a specific thing, even with like an Ocean's Eleven, where there's a couple different goals through it but they still have very specific things they're going to do and yes there's some unknowns as they encounter various different components but it is more planned out as they go through where oftentimes in DD you're like look the goblins somewhere have this thing or i hear that the great dragon is sleeping and i want to you know whatever yeah. and there's more random you can never quite get as much detail for a dungeon crawl as you can for a heist at least it feels so, that way to me. The, the mighty Google defines heist as a robbery, as a noun, right? A robbery, as a verb, steal. So I can see where if you're stealing, that's incredibly helpful. That's very, that's very helpful for our current discussion. Well, <laughs> so I think it it does align with a little bit of what I'm saying. Where if you're going to come across a treasure, now I guess you're stealing it if you're going to. Kill the an kill the beasties, and then steal the stuff. Right? Yes. Okay. That's kind of a heist by the definition of steal. But I still think that there is an element of the. I don't think every adventure that you play in D and D is a heist game. No, not necessarily. I do. I do think it's kind of a perhaps a nicer way to say murder hobo. <laughs> but and, and even the murder hobo thing is is kind of well, not kind of it is fairly derogatory to a number of people. Um, but heist feels more planful and planful to. And when I say more planful, a deeper degree or better intel, more knowledge than in average my old school. And maybe this is just Brett's memory, but and when I play my old school games. You never have that level of detail knowledge. You don't have, there's enough of that. Holy shit. It's not a dragon. It's uh, it's a th other thing. Oh my God. It's not a demon. It's another thing. Or wow. Fuck it. It is a demon. Son of a bitch. We thought they were lying. Ah, you know, 
you don't um it just seems a little more haphazard is bad but i think, I think a there's heist a is more complex yes that's very true or at least complex up front perhaps i don't there's know certain nuances with it i don't know that's just oh, we're going to have to talk about yeah, it some other so, time well i don't know i don't think you're wrong i think it's just how you define it and if i think there is elements of heist in dnd yes absolutely elements right. within okay right. we could banter on this for a little while like we should usually we, do. Shall we? <laughs> no, I think we'll move on to the uh, other piece. But thank you, Mo. We're going to take this one, dude, and it's going in the topic log. What the heck are we talking about this week, Brett? Well, what I want to talk about here is communication at the table, and I'm not talking about social contract stuff. What I'm talking about is... That private info, that time when someone goes, hey, pass this note up to, to Sean. He's the game master. Pa- pass the DM this note for me. Or where you lean over, you whisper to the mage a little something. You don't want any- anyone else at the table to hear about it. Or you want to have a private conversation with an NPC you don't want others to know about. Or whatever's happening. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I want to talk about that. It's a little different twist, if you will, on the communication component. and But I think it does. it may very well end up bleeding into the larger story aspects of it. So anyhow, Sean, you, you got me there. You know what I'm talking about? Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So are we taking the angle of the GM, the player? Cause I, I don't like communicating ever. Well, <laughs> come on. I mean, does it really, does it really matter? It doesn't really matter. Well, if you don't tell them what the timetable is, they don't know where they get on and get off the train. So you have to communicate at least the timetable. So they understand that they have to, where they get on and get off. Right. So that's helpful. That's fair. So let me give some examples. Uh, back in the vampire days and when I played Amber and other games like that. Different. An emo, you were an emo guy, weren't you? No, I was just really, really angry. Um, not really emo, just really just like aggressively you, angry. You were angry? <laughs> yeah, I was angrier. This is this is me calm. This is me <laughs> calm now. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. I'm not getting asked. She'll no, tell you how much I, calm. I know, dude. I'm <laughs> yeah, sure. She will. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow. Bar fights, man. Oh, anyhow. (laughs) So what would happen is that someone would look, they'd be having a conversation and they'd look at me and say, I I don't want anybody else to hear about this. Or, and so like, Hey, can we step in the hallway? Sure. Let's go in the hall. We'll have a conversation. They'd talk to the head of the Sedites or what this other vampire clan, this other NPC. They'd have a chat and great and go back. Or sometimes two player characters would have some info or a concept or a theory on something they didn't want to share with the group just yet. So they would go out in a hallway or a back room. I was blessed at that time that where I was gaming at a local gaming store in my hometown, we had the main game room we were in two other rooms and the hallway where you could split the group up into. And then <clears throat> when the shop moved, we were on, it was on a ground floor. So there was, we gamed in the basement, um, the one room in the basement, then there were two adjoining rooms off of that. There was upstairs and outside. So it was goofy. Be like, all right, you two outside, you two, the far back room, you two, that one. And the group would get split up. It basically becomes a mini LARP at that point. We're splitting people up and they're, and they're working their way through the storylines. But what it comes down to is we've all played those games where somebody has a note, they pass a note, they flick a note at the game master saying, hey, and sometimes the note says, I stab Sean in the back and take the ring when he's not looking. Or uh, when everyone, when the party's asleep, I try to steal a jewel. Oftentimes, oftentimes it's the thief in the party trying to do something and not get caught. And the reason they're doing it, um, at least when it started for me, 
was, especially when the thief wanted to do something, every time the thief would say, well, once the party's asleep, I'm going to try to steal that gem that the wizard took. Then immediately, bam, the whole group goes into meta. Well, I sleep with the gem wrapped under one arm and all the, you know, halfling warrior guards are around me and they don't sleep at all, you know, because I've said, and they then take all that knowledge and twist it so the other character cannot do something that he, he or she wants to try to do. Sean, have you ever encountered such a thing? Such a horrendous occurrence. I'm usually that guy. You're the guy who's trying to screw over everybody else or the one who's trying to stop everybody else. Uh, yeah. So are we talking about subversive communication? I think it's a little bit of everything. What happens to me, at least not to me, I should say, in depending on the type of game you're playing, um, subversive communication, like you could have two players are like, look, I think so-and-so, you know, Chris's character is cursed. I think we have a problem here. Um, We might have to take some drastic action. So you, Phil, and I mumble, 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 figure this out. And we go, hey, raise our hand. Go, hey, guess what, Jen? As soon as, you know, as soon as he's done, we spring our trap, you know. And if everyone at the table is playing their character appropriately and and not trying to be ass about it, like, oh, yeah, okay, that they they do that. I don't have any reason why my character would have any idea what's going on. Therefore, it's fine. Some players, though, have a hard time separating character knowledge from player knowledge. Right. We've talked a little bit about that in the past, and sometimes it's the easiest route to simply cut that, just cut it out, right? You can't hear it. If you can't hear it, you can't pretend you didn't hear it. Uh. You don't have to worry about it. So if I flip a note to the game master that says, hey, as soon as Phil's asleep, I want to try to steal the gem. And then Kevin does go, well, I stop him. I stop right as soon as he tries to do that. Right. right. You know, you it's know. not going to happen. No. Because I just flipped you a note. You know, that's a good point, Brett. And I want to bring this up because I think we've had some shows that I've either listened to or, or we've talked about where uh, we've talked about like distraction at the table, right? We, I just listened to misdirect Mark. What's up, Chris? What's up, Phil? What's up, Bob? And talked about... You know, like the distraction at the table where they're like, uh, if somebody's not invested, they start to get on their phone. Yeah, we've talked about that too. Because they, they, they just yeah. recently talked about like the culture of questions. Yes. But here's the thing, like when I'm sitting at a table as a player, because I do play, I am player in one week. So just, hey, players represent. I believe you, I believe you pronounce it playa. Whenever you say it to me, which is which is weird, but anyway, go on. Um, so, <laughs> if they're if they, say the GM is talking to Brett and his character, and they're and I'm not there, my my player character is not there. I should not be privy to the conversation. Why why would it be a big deal for me to get on my phone and tune that out? Because that would legitimately remove me from that knowledge right it could and that's one of the reasons why i used to this is pre-cell phones you know because i'm that freaking old um when i used to run what you do is it was note passing right so private intel or send people in another room or outside or whatever so you could have a private conversation um specifically to cut that cord so people didn't feel it now if you're playing something like I'll, I'll pick on Chris and Phil again, when they say writer table games, like when they talk about fate, when you're having a very open dialogue. Yes. And in some games, not a character isn't a sacred thing owned only unto Brett. My character is mine and no one else will tell me what you can do with it. 
oftentimes other, I shouldn't say oftentimes, there are some other games where it's not necessarily the case. Because if you're in a writer table style, that basically means that anything on the table, anybody's character is fodder for a potential idea or a concept that could make for a really good event, whatever that may or may not be. So if you're playing that style of game and Sean should not be on his phone, Sean should stay engaged because Sean could say, oh, okay, you know what? Um, Brett wants to steal a gem from Phil while he sleeps. But Kevin and I, you know, being Phil's best friends, our characters are best friends with his, you know, it's going to make it a little bit harder for Brett to just walk up there and steal it because, you know, the way the way the party dynamics are. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. How are we gonna how are we gonna make is it hard? Is does that make a, the challenge harder or easier or whatever? And somebody else may say, Well, yeah, I remember Phil's character always sleeps alone far away from the campfire because he doesn't like to be bothered, so he's in the dark, he's easy to get to, or whatever. I'm kind of stretching my analogy a bit here, but um when you're having information like that that everybody can play off of, whether or not it's quote unquote your turn, right? If everyone at the table is allowed to take that level up to to meta a bit, like if you will, you know, step out of that player character and give other cool ideas, the culture of questions concept to throw those types of things around. I think it's um, imp- important at that point that you do absolutely pay attention to everything that's going on because that's fodder for you to make really cool decisions with or to help push the story along. I Makes agree. I, okay. I do, yeah, I do agree that there is. I mean, if you're tuning out, then you're, because I think that what happens is Brett's character's not there. Sean, GM, is explaining it to another character, say, I don't know, some goofy player by the name of Kefthulu or somebody. And then Brett, Kefthulu meets Brett's character, mm-hmm. and he wants to explain what's going on. You could let Kefthulu do that, or Brett player absorbs the conversation between GM and Cthulhu and then just says, okay, got it. Right. You so, t- you, you so this is the point when Kevin tells me everything, you tell me everything that you guys just talked about. Good. I got that done. Thank right, you. Right, right, I already right, listened. Right. Right. All right, right. And you could meta that, right? It's like, absolutely. Telling, yeah. And I think majority of games usually are run similar to that kind of method. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's, they're not, but I can only assume that, for the sake of time and engagement Mm -hmm. that they are. I think that, um, so I think the other, one of the problems that happens, right. Is if you have a really cool thing happening, what's a cool thing, man. So let's say cool thing, define a cool thing. So you have a plot line (laughs) that's going along and Chris and Phil decide that they're going to, uh, band band together to do something cool. And they're going to do that. I'm the game master talking to Brett, figuring this out. And now there's this side plot happening. Dude, you lost me. You're like, I'm the game master, Brett, talking to myself. What? Huh? <laughs> no, Say sorry. So I'm the game master. Phil and Chris, they're working this really cool thing. Yeah. They want to do this thing. And next thing you know, they're talking to me, and I'm working on a cool side plot, a whole different storyline. And you and Kevin and Austin and and Jen and and you know Angela, you're all sitting there with nothing to do. I run a big table, that's why there's a list named. That's right. So, so you're sitting there essentially with nothing to do, watching this other group potentially have fun. And sometimes that group is, if they're at the table talking out loud with it, and then you're allowed to chip in ideas and stuff, you can continue to be part of that fun. Well, so you, but that are you allowing metagaming? 
No, I'm just saying if if you do, then that helps, right? Everybody gets to to hear the discussion. They get to have a good giggle at what's happening. If I take Phil, Chris, and I out into a room like I used to back in the day, then everyone else is in the room going, oh, I wonder what's going on. And then they're not playing. They're not doing anything potentially. That would be that would be a fair time where you go, well, I'll fucking pull my phone out now and play some sort of you know mobile game because the real game's happening on the hallway or in the other room. Wow. So a down there's a downside. I guess it depends again, it kind of depending on the type of game that your group likes to play. Um I have gotten away from splitting the room and saying, you guys go outside, you come over here, you come over there and have private conversations all over. Now what I do, even in the game I was running uh, with the guys this a while back, my bad magic game, I'm going to kick that off. Kind of a, anyway, so Austin was having a really cool interaction and everybody else listened and paid attention. They were watching the events. Austin was reacting. I was asking questions. Um, we, some NPC stuff was going on. Ooh, that was really cool. I said, all right, cool. We'll fade away from you. Kevin, you're up. You and Alpha's character, Cookie, you guys are doing different things. And that was just a hoot. Everyone had a really good time watching and listening. And this people are laughing as fun stuff's happening. And I put that aside. I went back over to Zave and Zave played for a bit. And we kind of, you know, passed the ball around, if you will. So everyone got some time. And when everyone has the spotlight time like that, when it's kind of individual micro games, if you will, in a larger story, if everyone gets to see it, and maybe maybe you don't want other people to chip in. Maybe I don't want Sean to say, hey, here'd be a cooler thing for you to do, Dave, or Brett, what you should do is this. Maybe that's not cool at your table, and that's fine. But I guess my general concept is that I have found that by playing it out loud in front of everybody, it becomes a lot more fun. Even when the players may or may not be plotting against each other. That's when it the secrets become more important and that you end up having these little secret cults and crews within your adventuring group. Because if you're playing a game where people are, are actively PVP, the secrets become important, right? It's like you, you don't play chess with somebody or you don't play Magic the Gathering and lay all your cards out going, hey, this is what I've got. What do you think you should play? I mean, it doesn't work like that. You have to have a certain level of secrecy. And when you're playing player versus player, you start to feel like you're you know, playing chess with somebody else. You don't tell them your opening move. You don't tell them what gambit you're trying. Following me? I think you are. You're not giving me the what the fuck look. <laughs> <laughs> and for everybody that's listening on the audio, this is what I look like. <laughs> he's got to give, kinda, he's giving me a, a quasi sagely nod and squinty eye. Like, okay, I think I got you. I think I, I got pipe. you. If I had a yeah. pipe or a, a beard as robust as Brett's, I would be stroking it right now. Yes, but you don't. But I don't. Wah, wah, bah, wah. Don't even Burr. don't even play. Anyway, <laughs> is what I'm saying making sense to you though? I think so. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, every once in a while, I maybe hey, come here down the hall. I got to tell you something. But I otherwise think everything at the table is happening. You know, for what it's worth, and notes are fine. I don't mind notes. I think notes are fun. I always get the one guy that's always throwing me notes every five ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's usually the stupid rogue or thief. <laughs> wants like, to do something. Right, yes, you're trying to heist something. I search. You find something. You don't find something. So, you know. if we take that that piece of it aside, say, okay, there's obviously different groups are going to have different ways or means that they like secret information to be displayed because that's what we're talking about here. This communication is private or is only happening to one player character, only happening to a small group of them. So that's and the gist, right? I don't yeah. mean, it, but like. <laughs> 
trying to nail down our topic. Like we're talking about like pseudo secret communication. Yes, absolutely. So when you have pseudo secret information and if you decide that you want to keep it secret for whatever reason, like passing notes and so forth or stepping outside of a room, um, Apart from Pat, Sean, have you ever had guys? I mean, we've played Roll Twenty and stuff. You can do private chats. Yes. On Roll Twenty, you can. I have had people text message me on my phone, which I don't accept because when I'm running the game, I put my phone down. I don't want to fucking deal with it. They do that shit when I'm running, Brett. No, not to me. No, 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 no. Just, maybe hey. each other, maybe each other when they're really bored with you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that shit, Brett. I'll tell you. I'll tell you about it. All right, because I will give you extra XP because you're my favorite, <coughs> oh, Brett. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Just let Jim, me know. Jim and Steve were saying something I thought was pretty bad. That's right. <laughs> Just let me know, and I will kill those player the characters. Awesome. Yeah. So anyway, what I'm saying is, I was I uh, was running a face to face game, and we were a couple of people had some private stuff, and one guy threw me a note, so I read it. I went, okay, cool, I get it. And we just moved on. And one of the other players looked at me and goes, I sent you a text. I'm like, don't send me a text. <laughs> text at the well, I didn't table. want to send you a note. I'm like, don't send me a fucking text, dude. I'm right I'm right here. Either write it down or whisper it or something. But I don't want to play with my phone when I'm gaming. So I put the phone aside. You know, It's either on vibrate or something. If my wife needs me, she'll get a hold of me. Otherwise, no. I don't like text or I am in my face-to-face games. Well, That's not how problem, I roll. The problem with that is that if you like... And you pick up your phone. You're like, okay, so you're doing this, blah, 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 blah. Hang on just one minute. I'm going to disengage completely from you, (laughs) hold my phone in front of my face, and thumb type a response. (laughs) Giggle to myself and put it down. And then you hear Sean's phone go, Sean going, like, I'm like, what am I? My high school kids do that crap to each other, like across the room. I'm like, this is just fucking dumb. So if you're at Brett's table, I will. First off, I'm not going to give him my cell phone number because I want you goddamn texting me during the game, <laughs> you know. Oh my god, that is. So but I don't like it. I had I play. Oh, I'm doing that in other games. I said, well, okay, I, my bad. I didn't tell you up front, but don't do that here. When I hand I me just, a note, to write it down, or ask me something in private, or I've had players also raise the hand and say, "Look, um, I want to do X, but I don't want anybody else to see it because I I want to you know get this piece of intel." And the group looks around and goes, okay, yeah, all right, you know. Then they're like, ooh, this is a cool thing that could be happening. What's JR up to? Then everyone stops their side conversations. They watch JR go through the die rolls or whatever it is to get the intel. He comes back. And then everyone kind of looks at him and someone goes, do you tell us yet? He goes, no, not yet. Oh, damn. Okay. All right, good. But you, you've got something cool and hopefully that'll come out. And then it's kind of like this, this thing that everyone's waiting. Hopefully JR will get to the right point where his character is willing to divulge the information. So it, it actually, to me, it adds a, I don't want to say a, a level of kind of, you're waiting with bated breath, the other shooter drop, whatever other euphemism you've got for, you know, that there's something out there that would be really handy if everybody had it, but somebody's holding on to it for some reason. But I don't think you can do that if it's something that the party is not going to approve of. So an example is you're rogue, you're a thief, you want to search the room. And if you come across something, you want dibs on whatever's whatever you come across. So what happens is usually you will be like, throw the note at the GM. GM reads it. I search the room. I rolled a 20. Do I find anything? GM says, yes. Thief goes, okay, what? You find a small chest, blah, 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 blah. Okay. You roll that out. 
nobody notices, you try to slip something into your pouch. If nobody knows about it, it's done. But if it's divulged like, oh, Chun, your your rogue finds a chest. You're like, okay, I try oh, what is in there? If I blah blah. I try to slide that into my pouch. Okay, give me a roll, slide a hand, make sure nobody sees it. Boom, I succeed. Now the players know Sean's being a dickhead as a player and trying to hide, you know, like, hey, whoop. Now, some most players will be like, oh, well, he's a rogue, it's a thief, whatever. Okay. I'll tell you, though, dude, is once the notes start flying in the groups I used to play with when that was very common, especially in high school, would be like, what's he doing? Flying I go on top straight. of Sean, I stand on him. You know, I knock right. the thief down and shake him. Hold the, hold the halfling upside down and shake him till all the shit falls out. <laughs> I mean, like, what that the is fuck? True. That is true. You're really, do you, you're, you're right. You're damned if you do, and you're damned, damned if you don't. Yeah. However, if you talk it out loud with the game master, and the whole group is there, and they hear about it, and you're like, hey, the rogue is doing something, and <laughs> okay, he does, oh, wow, he found something, a good skill check, oh, okay, he's got the ring. He picked off of the dead knoll that no one else saw the ring. Okay, great, he's got a gold ring. All right. Um, <laughs> if somebody in the group is going to get really super bent out of shape about that, as from, then it's a player's per, then it's a player issue, right? Because the character doesn't see it. If the player themselves is like, "God damn it, we don't play like that." You got to be open. You can't hide stuff. No secrets. Blah blah blah. Okay, then then you're kind of back to almost social contracty type of thing. That's like true. I said. We'll probably we'll probably touch on that a little a little bit, but. For me, the other component is that depending how you run the thing, how you as a thief are acting in this particular example, if you're like, look, I want to see if there's anything valuable because, you know, I, I really, I want to make sure I've got enough gold because I don't like being poor anymore. It's part of my character. Okay. All right. I get it. You know, you know I rob everybody until they're broke. Okay, fine. That's your big character flaw or whatever your problem is. So I just, you know, I, I got to steal this gem. All right, fine. You steal the fucking gem. Um, the rest of the table, like, oh, well, you know, it's a gem, whatever. It, it's not that big a deal when it's talked out loud, or at least maybe I'm just getting older and the players I, I play with don't care as much anymore as they used to back in the day. But if it becomes super private and everything's very, you know, cloak and dagger, top secret notes flying back and forth, the rage isn't around the fact that the thief stole a minor gem of some sort or a ring or even a magical dagger. The rage is honest. In my opinion, it's about the fact that the rest of the team is fucking bored sitting there watching Sean and Brett play D and D while everyone else waits for Sean and Brett to stop passing D and D notes. You know, like, did you bring enough game for the rest of the class? Can the rest of the group play too? You know, <laughs> you know, I, I do. A, I see, I see where you're coming from. And I think at some, you know, I think we're old enough and we've been playing long enough where it's like, oh, broke, pass the notes, shocker. Like, I think it's a no brainer at this point, right? Yeah, absolutely. But. What are you going to do? Yeah. I honestly, the only groups I run into, I shouldn't say the only ones when I've played, well, play with the kids, my kids or other uh, younger players who don't have the experience. Sometimes they'll try to do something like that, and other younger players at the table will then do the whole meta game, want to pounce on the player and beat them with a rule book type of thing. And so I take it as my job as game master or player at the table to say, it's not a big deal. Your character doesn't know about it. Let it go. Right? It's not that big a deal. 
you you know, it's not like he's, you know, hurt you or done something terrible. You're in the middle of a dwarven, you know, death trap mine right now being chased by hobgoblins and, and Atiyag. I, I think you, I think it really doesn't matter right now. What matters more is that your paladin gets healed up by the cleric because you're half dead, you know, and just kind of taking the, the tension out by just talking it down. Like, look, this is part of, this is part of the game. Sometimes some player, some characters and some players, honestly, like to do this type of thing. And if that's how they want a game, you know, that's fine. And also it's an opportunity then to, because not everybody has a very incredibly robust written out social contract that says this type, this very specific activity won't happen. But the player who's playing the rogue, who's constantly stealing, starts to see the group roll the eyes and go again, Sean, really Brett again, dude, when have we never shared treasure with you? I don't fucking care. Just, Tell us what you got. Chances are you'll get to keep it anyway. Stop being a douche. And, you know, if that's a conversation at the table, sometimes that stops the player from, oh, I guess I don't have to pass notes all the time. I can just openly say what it is I'm doing. Everyone goes, yes, Sean, I get it. Your character's a fucking kleptomaniac. Ha, ha, ha. I don't care anymore. Just do it and get, o- and get on with it so the rest of us can play the game instead of waiting for you guys to quit passing your notes or sending your text messages. Huh. I ranted a bit there. Damn I want to. I want to do. I want to do an episode on playing a thief, because I think I play the best thief. Do you? Thieves, man. When I was my buddy up, Jr. My buddy Jr. is the best I've ever seen. He's good. He, I'm telling you, man. I would have my cycle of dice. I'm like, Harry, you got to roll this one, then this one, and this one. I go to here. I do this one, and this one, and then this one. I mean, I'm, <laughs> it's like it's it's like a no brainer. Yeah. It's like. A, a fighter going into a battle and drawing a sword and bashing somebody's face, thief. All right, I'm gonna move silently, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna sneak up here, backstab. Ugh, there. It was like move silently, hide in shadows, hide in sh- hide in shadows at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and then it yeah. was like r- rinse, repeat. Yeah, exactly. Click, 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 detect click, traps. Click, click, detect traps. Yep. And I would move like I would show on the map. Let's yep. get into this thief story. But anyways. <laughs> so to the topic at hand, do you, what do you think? I mean, from the, do you think players feel, I mean, to me, I think I don't like excluding players from the action. Even if the action isn't them, sometimes you get to take a seat, pour yourself a fresh cup of coffee or crack open a new beer and say, wow, Phil and Chris and Angie are going crazy doing this little side thing. I'm going to watch. It looks like fun and you can enjoy what's going on around you. Grant, if the the thing, the three of them are doing, if I make that last all night and no one else gets to play, you know, that's bad game mastering. But if everybody gets a shot to have these little spotlight pieces like that, there's nothing wrong there. But when you subvert the rest of the group's ability to understand or to know what's happening and everything is private all the time, you know, unless it's a hardcore player versus player game, you're playing uh, basically the role-playing version of uh, uh, diplomacy. Um, you're, you know what I'm saying? If you're going to play that type of role-playing game, that's a different setting. And you kind of, you ought to know that going in because what's on the tin is what's on the inside of that one. But it's the, otherwise, most of the role-playing games I play, there's no reason, at least not now anyhow, there's no reason to have that level of privacy all the time. Once in a while is okay, but constantly I don't do that much anymore. 
No, I'm with you. I understand it. It's one of those one-offs. Like, hey, come here, I gotta tell you something. Or maybe it's the note, and you throw it, and you throw mm-hmm. it back, or whatever. So I do. I think in moderation, and everything's all good. And I do empathize with the not wanting to isolate half half the table because you and spotlight player a because that's really what it comes down to it's not like any different than if a player character goes into a bar and wants all the role-playing opportunities right it's it's absolutely not any, not any different so yeah spread the wealth I'm absolutely with you, i'm with you man hey and the, good right there he's doing right. the he's doing the eyes doing looking the, at me thing know, right there everybody that can see me <laughs> i'm doing the eye thing that's good <laughs> the, the curly it's goofy, but I do. I do honestly think that's the that's the thing that irritates people at the table more than the thief being sneaky, or the the bard, the bard character trying to role play every you know every step that he takes through the bar or what whatever what have you. I have bad bad analogies today. Every step you take. <laughs> All right, and moving on. So anyhow, if you take. are if you end up. Trying to, if you end up alienating, God damn it, Sean. If you end up alienating you players. Seen on the show in a while, Brett, God damn it. There's reasons for that. We have court orders. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give Alex judge. more money to get us bailed out again. Damn jury. Anyhow, I think that um, if you're going to do it, my preference is if you like text messages or IMs, I mean, more power to you. But if I'm playing in person, it doesn't work. If we're playing a roll 20, that's really the only way to go is some kind of a electronic method. Passing a physical note sometimes is simple. My preference for my players when they do it is like, you know, the they'll be talking, you know, John and I are going back and forth, something and Zay will flick a note at me, I'll pick it up and says, While John's doing that, I want to make a roll. You know, and he knows that by throwing the paper at me, it's gonna sit at the table for a little bit until John and I have a good back and forth and I can pick that I can pick it up. He doesn't want to physically like blurt in and interrupt John during a monologue type of thing. You know or, what I do? You know what I do as a what, GM? What would you do? Just throw it right back at him. Say, fucking sit down. You read my Just mind. Swat man. It. Just swat that shit Brett, back at him. Brett, you know me so well, dude. <laughs> After 86 episodes, I started <laughs> to get a started to get a handle on that, Sean. Yeah, I'm getting him. <laughs> All right, man, let's put a bullet in this thing. Let's so do it. sum it up. Are we done or what? I think we're good. I mean, I think both Sean and I are saying, at least from my perspective, that <clears throat> secrecy at the table from a note passing and communication privacy uh, perspective can be good. It has to be done essentially in moderation. If it's done to a point where other players start to feel excluded, that's a problem. I strongly encourage people to try the open discussion, even with private things at the table. Have it done openly. You can. You know, you can encourage people, hey, look, your character doesn't know it, but essentially just sit back and watch because this is kind of cool. You know, watch the bard try to sweet talk his way past somebody else. Um, watch this group of people have an NPC encounter that's kind of fun. Or watch these two guys negotiate something. And uh, watch her try to break into, you know, the overlord's super secure vault. It's fun. You can have a good time watching the rest of the group have fun. You can cheer them on as they're rolling dice and so forth. And by doing that, when it, when it's open like that, it, people don't feel excluded, and uh, I think it's more fun. There you go. Let's there get in die roll. Thanks. Let's do Brad. it. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points. Of, uh, gaming and geekery. We want to share with you. Brett has two 
I again kick Brett's ass and have three. I will let Brett go first. Hooray. As always. So this one was funny. I found, at least it was funny to me. Robin D. Law has posted this up on Facebook and on Google Plus, where people are training wolverines, like honest to God, you know, Canadian, Alaskan wolverines to find avalanche survivors. Wolverines have such a great sense of smell and their digging abilities and stuff. And the fact that you can, that wolverines can be trained. They were always seen as kind of this ravenous, you know, they make badgers look like, you know, like happy-go-lucky things. Wolverines are pretty... They're pretty, br- <laughs> pretty brutal little critters, nasty weasels. So the fact that you can do that is kind of neat. And it it also harkens me back to the druid who would have the big dire wolverine as a pet that would try to teach it to fetch or whatever somewhere in, in some of the campaigns I was in. So that just I just druids, druids and their wolverines for the win on that one. That's how I saw it. So the other one is an article around, <coughs> excuse me, Chaosium. Um the article is about how it's on Geek and Sundry, and the the title of it was Cthulhu Company Kickstarted Itself to Death, and then this happened. Um, it talks about kind of the failure of their seventh uh, seventh edition Kickstarter from failure insofar as what it did to the company, how they had to rebuild things, change things around, and all that stuff. It was kind of a fun little article, and uh, as cranky as I get on Kickstarters, it's uh, it was uh, I thought it was entertaining and uh, in insightful read. So I encourage others to take a look at it. I thought they led uh, um, alluded to some unethical things. As a matter of fact, I thought there was a statement in there that said due to some mismanagement fiscally and with the Kickstarter and some some ethically questionable actions. But then they never went into any of that ethically. Stuff. Well, some of that there has been there's been myth and rumor around that almost every failed Kickstarter, right? Somewhere somebody's like, "Well, you realize so and so did nothing but smoke dope with all that money." I mean, somebody's got some horrible thing to say. I wasn't there. I have heard stories where, <clears throat> excuse me, Chaosium had problems paying people because they you know could not properly manage money, and I don't necessarily know if that's ethical or just simply not having good business acumen. I mean, I've. Sean, you and I have been in the in the corporate world. Somebody somewhere sucks at their job, and somebody somewhere has a budget that they just can't fucking manage. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I see it I see it it projects that are like you know ten million dollars over budget. I'm like, how did you guys not see this coming? How, what what? How is this? You know, craziness. But I'm gonna put that shit on my resume. Yeah, as a recruiter, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put that stuff on my resume where it's like what I haven't done. Like, yeah, what I haven't done, I have like, never I totally blown a $1.5 million budget project. Yeah, I, I did not take all <laughs> the proceeds from a project and uh, buy donuts and smoke dope. No, I did right. not do that. You know, hey, hey <clears throat> what you haven't done says as much about you as what you have done. <laughs> there we go. There you go, dude. We are like, we're like in sync. This is dude, awesome. Put me in a CEO chair, man, tomorrow. <laughs> I As I sh- said, get, give I me that job. Shit. Give me that job after you find out I suck at it for a year. Golden parachute, baby. I'll never work again. That's right. <laughs> anyway, I thought it was an interesting read. Um, I like Chaosium, and I'm I'm glad they survived, and I'm glad they're doing as well as they perceive to. At least they seem to be doing to me. So that's kind of cool. And um, anyway, I I think it's uh, just it's interesting. So take a look, Sean. Back to you, man. World's first 4K 55 inch multi touch coffee table. That can interact with tangible objects. So I know that. So I posted it on Google Plus. We'll put a link in the show notes. But basically, imagine sitting at a 55 inch big LCD kind of coffee table. Touchscreen. Touchscreen. 
Um, I've seen incidents of this on YouTube running Android, and then I've also seen it using this, I think, proprietary software that this company has come to put together. It's pretty pretty cool stuff. Um, I know that somebody had mentioned, even on the Google Plus thread, about, oh, yeah, Microsoft's been piloting this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, great, still haven't seen it. Awesome, yay. Now, I'm waiting for HoloLens to come around where everybody's wearing HoloLens you just point it at the table and you can put the miniatures down in the map through the HoloLens virtual augmented, not virtual augmented reality. Cause there's a difference. Yes. Spelling for one. Right. Well, yeah. exactly. Yeah. In two words. <laughs> exactly. Virtual versus augmented. I know. One's more compact. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Mute Brett. I have the power. Oh. Anyways. I thought it was pretty cool. The price tag is completely obscene and obnoxious. Hopefully, as time moves on, we will finally get the augmented or virtual tabletop that isn't two-dimensional Roll20. Like, if I was Roll20, man, I'd be developing this thing if I could. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, Roll20 plus. Something that's not quite in the $20,000 price tag for a table. Right. Something a little bit and cheaper. It might be the Just software. a smidge cheaper. Get it down to 15, you know. Somewhere well, with the average. You know, <laughs> we could be Sorry. a company and get the the table and then develop for it. Or we could horribly mismanage a Kickstarter. Okay, <laughs> they have a bunch we. of tables moving, we can't do anything with. Moving on. Lego Imperial Star Destroyer ISD Tyrant. So somebody built a, a Lego Imperial Star Destroyer. This is not. This is not your your nephew's Star Destroyer. This is a 56-inch long, comes in about 70 pounds. For all you European folks out there, that's 32 kilograms. Kilos. Huge. That's gigantic. It the picture gigantic. the picture of this thing, and I think they have next to it the the official like Lego one, and then compare it to the this thing's just it's massive. It's so big. Really cool though. Super detailed. Yes. Just in the time it would take to do right. this. Right. And then, of course, the last one I have is the 2016 Origin Award nominations, which nobody's really talked about. I think I posted them online. Um, so if you want to see those before Origins comes out, some pretty kick-ass games. Check that out. Link in the show notes. We had a couple from listeners, too. Shane Freeman uh, warned us about Killer Robots. We got a link out there. About uh, drone warfare, uh, lethal weapons, killer robots are coming. Uh, it's kind of it's it's fun. It's one I have a I have a personal I have a personal distaste and hatred for um for sentient robotic life. So anyway, it was interesting to me. The other one is a uh, hawk sparrow had pointed us to a site that has seven weird and wonderful medieval facts. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, that was kind of cool uh, going through um, how like. Pigs could be a real danger. It was not drab and gray. Just some little snippets there. It's always interesting to me to go through, read these, read these components about the reality of a historical of a historical piece, then compare that to the crap <laughs> that we've all believed or been fed over the years. And goes, oh, everyone knows. And as soon as you say that type of thing, you almost have to wonder if it's true and all. So uh, thank you, Shane Freeman and Hawk Sparrow, for some good stuff. All right. Awesome. Good stuff. Thanks for Shane and Hawk, and Hawk for sharing those. They've had some good wins for us. I like those guys. They have. Absolutely. So 
continuing on, uh, we want to thank all the patrons. Like Joe Swick, Kevin Lovecraft, Steve Day, Old School DM, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Gary, Misdirected Mark, Brad's Biggest Fan, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Tony Baker, Pladian, Corey Wynn, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, and now Chris Steele. Consider becoming, oh, yeah. becoming a patron of the show at gamingandbs.com forward slash Patreon. Next week, what are hey, we next, talking about next yeah, week? Next- I think we'll talk about uh, interpreting dice rolls, or maybe we'll talk about heists, or we might dive into the thief class. Possibilities are endless. I'm I'm torn. I'm torn, man. <laughs> I got a couple good ones there. People st- threw shit at me today. I don't know what to do. You got to stay tuned to find out. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. You're going to have to. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all. <laughs>